We are beginning a new series on church staffing. We talk about some of the challenges and shifts that have happened over the last few years and how both of our churches have adjusted. That's today on The Reclaim Leader. Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now, here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 106 of the Reclaim Leader, helping you lead change without losing your roots. I'm Jason Tucker here with Jesse Skiffington. Another day, Jesse. How's it going, buddy? Here we are, man. Still uh, working hard, trying to lead change in the life of the congregation, the local church. It is a particularly challenging time for churches. And we get the opportunity, the privilege, the calling to lead in the midst of a turbulent time. And I'm sure every generation feels this way about their moment in time and history. I have a feeling ours is kind of unique though. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It doesn't always feel like a privilege. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it is hard work leading change in a time when truthfully, we don't always know what the answer is on the other end. We just know that we have to adapt. We have to modify our current practices. We sometimes have to think innovatively and come up with something brand new that's never been thought of before. And that's hard. It's exhausting in leadership when you you can't lean back on your expertise and training. You have to work together in community to go, okay, God, what, what should we do? Because I don't know. And then discern that together. And that's exciting, but it's also, it wears you out. And I hear from leaders in different industries, not just in the church, who are just tired from the pace of change and the need for adaptation yeah. and the things that used to work don't. And so yeah. what are we going to do now? Yeah. And we're, we're actually reading canoeing the mountains with the elders right now and going through, you know, our our conversation that we just had this last month at our session meeting, you know, I kind of listed a bunch of things. I'm just, okay. Okay. Um, how people view church, how people view Christians, how people view pastors contrast that from the 1950s to now and name, you know, I challenge you name one thing that's the same, (laughs) right? And, And that's the issue is that it would be one thing if we could just Take adaptive change. We just take everybody's best practices and figure it all out. Well, these are the answers that we need. But but it's that's not how it works. It's coming up with the solutions together. And uh, that's the real challenge uh, of adaptive change. And that's that's what makes it so hard. Yeah, Jason, the, the challenge of changing times, you know, and trying to lead in the midst of all that is tough. And, you know, one of the thoughts that I keep coming back to and and some of what um, we've even been talking about as a leadership team here at Marine View, and uh, we even did a message series on this a couple of months back is this idea of what does it look like to lead now also in a post-Christian culture in which most of our culture has moved on from most things Christian. There's still a lot of folks come to church, they're committed to Jesus, they're in, but our culture is is moving on and we see that everywhere. And it just strikes me, we actually have, it seems like sometimes we have more in common with the early church before Christianity was even a thing, before Sundays were a thing, before the institution of the church existed. And they were adapting and trying to figure out what their models of ministry were going to be. How are they going to be organized? Who's going to be doing what? How are they going to pay for it? All those conversations that happened way back when are 
our conversations we're having again today about who, how do we be the church now? What does yeah. it look like to be the gathered community in an organized way in a radically different time than 50 years ago? when you could still do church the way it had been done for so long and, and maybe not have the same results as the past or we were in decline, but it wasn't as pronounced as it has been uh, in the last decade. And so what does that mean for us? And we're going to be looking particularly at what does it mean for staffing? How do we staff uh, for those of our congregations that are, are, are large enough to have multiple staff or how do we resource our, our ministry for smaller congregations around uh, you know, the organization, who do we get to do the things that matter and how do we simplify and get it all done uh, in this different time? So that's the conversation today is about challenges in staffing as we tackle uh, this this moment, this particular moment. Yeah. And this is going to be a, another series of conversations. We have some guests lined up next week. We're going to be talking with Jeannie Stevens of Soul City Church in Chicago. And she led a great breakout session at the Rethink Leadership Conference last year. We're going to be talking with her about this. But I think first, it's just, again, acknowledging that church staffing is such a fluid situation. It feels like it is constantly changing and adapting, and we have to figure out how to keep up. You know, one of the big things that happened really with church staffing, one of the biggest shifts happened when, uh, when the price of healthcare went up so high. You know, so in the early 2000s, you know, or early to late 2000s when healthcare really started to skyrocket, changed how we staff as church. So when I was staffed in my youth ministry, youth ministry position outside of Philadelphia, it just wasn't that expensive to have benefits. And so you were able to hire a pretty good sized staff and benefits were sort of the thing that churches could offer. Like, hey, we can't offer you the big salary that you're going to get somewhere else, but we can take care of you with benefits, with the extras. And then once that price went up, it's like all these churches were priced out of being able to afford full-time staff with, with benefits. And that really created a, a, a tough point that churches had to figure out, okay, how are we going to change what we're doing? And you saw a lot of associate pastor positions went by the wayside during that time. Mm-hmm. A lot of full-time youth director positions went by the wayside during that yeah. time. So that was a big shift. And I think we've been trying to figure it out ever and since. We're still, yeah, we're still trying to figure it out. And, and I was actually having a conversation with some of, um, local pastors here that I'm in a community group with, and we were talking about some of the challenges. Um, it, two of the churches offer full uh, to their full-time employees and some part-time employees uh, full benefits for the employee and their whole family. Yeah. And, and I said, what? how do you do that? How oh, could you afford yeah. to do that? And then the other pastor and I are sitting there looking at our toes because we, you know, we do that for our full-time employees. We offer benefits for the employee, but not for their family. And that's, it's just what we've done here. And it's still, uh, as a percent of their salary is, you know, 10 to 15, sometimes 20%, depending on the, on the position. And so it's expensive and it adds a ton to the personnel cost. So it changes the equation. How do we afford uh, the staffing that maybe we once had. Well, can we? Do we need to think differently about our models? Uh, and what are we going to do? So um, we've talked a lot about this, but one thing that I've noticed and you've noticed and the pastors that are, that I connect with and maybe you all out there listening have noticed is that that percent of budget that goes to personnel seems to creep up and up and up. And it can't go on forever 
So we got to figure out how to make it work. And the traditional thinking was, you know, don't ever get over 60% with your personnel budget. 50 is better, closer to 50 is better, less than 50 is really great. Is that right? Is that true anymore? Is that still the story? And I don't know, Jason, I think we have some, some ways more questions than answers with some of this stuff, but we've been trying some things. You've been trying some things at Tower Hill. We've been working on some things here at Marine View, and we're going to kind of talk about some of our approaches to staffing, our models for staffing today. Yeah. And, and again, these are just things that work in our context or haven't worked in our context. You know, for us living outside of New York City, we taught, we did a whole episode on kind of maximizing your part-timers in ministry. Uh, we had our student ministries director on who's part-time and talked about that. But part-time staff is the way, is the number one shift that we made uh, here at Tower Hill, primarily as a result of the fact that we're right outside New York City, we're in a very expensive area. It would take a lot of money for someone to relocate from somewhere else to come here. So what we've done really is hire within the church part-time positions to fill our needs. And mm. you know that there are a lot of strengths to that. There are also some hurdles to overcome. Yeah. So yeah. You know, that's been a big shift that we made. So some of the strengths, of course, are you're hiring people who get it, especially when you're a church in transition, a church in the middle of uh, revitalization and change. You don't have to educate people on what the church was, is, and is trying to be. They already get it. They're on board. That's why they're still here. That's huge because we've definitely had it where we fired folks from the outside and they didn't really understand until it was too late and then it didn't work out. So um, I, I think that's a big pro. The other thing is they're most likely going to give you more because they are passionate about the church, right? So they want to, they want to do right by the church. A lot of our part-timers, they're like, you know, some of this work I'm doing as a member, some of it I'm doing paid. It's just kind of what I do and I love it and I'm all in. Yeah. Now I think, I think the downside of that is if you don't help them separate that a little bit, they can overwork themselves and then they can become bitter because they're not making as much money as the time that they're putting in. Mm-hmm. And it can create a lot of opportunities for hurt. Yeah. Resentment, frustration. Yeah. Especially if you have full part-time staff and part-time staff working together how does that work? And that's one of the challenges we, we continue to, to kind of wrestle through as a team. How do we, how do, we do that well uh, with that differentiation between full and part-time and, uh, and navigate those relationships? I think it takes a lot of honesty, openness, dialogue, uh, and uh, yeah, can be tricky. I think one of the things with the part-time thing, though, that I love about finding uh, people within the congregation that may be called the lead on the staff team is it, for me, it actually is a really neat picture of, you know, that God has provided the people and the things that you need to thrive as a congregation, whether these are key volunteers that you find and, and call into leadership, or these are folks that you hire on a, a part-time basis. There's a lot of really capable, talented people who get the vision and direction that may be just waiting for an invitation to take that step. And uh, I think that's awesome to see when someone who's never been in ministry before from a vocational standpoint has just been maybe a volunteer or, and, and you acknowledge, I, I see in you the gifts, skills, and abilities t- to lead in the congregation. And 
the ministry stuff that can be challenging. We can teach you that, but I can't teach you your heart for volunteers. Yeah. And I can't teach you your passion for kids. Uh, those things God can use for his purpose. We'll teach you how to do the orange curriculum. We'll teach you how to, to, to do the ministry part. But I see something in you from a leadership standpoint that I think God can really put to good work here in this congregation. So there's, it's really neat opportunity to invite people into ministry that maybe never would have considered it. But it, it does come with some of those challenges of how do we, what's the boundary on their work? Yeah. Uh, and what's the difference between volunteering and, and ministry? And uh, every Sunday, whether they're part-time or not, people see them as staff. And so they're, it's yeah. just, it's, it's complicated. And, and uh, I think you have to acknowledge that and say it out loud. And if you do that, if you're willing to do that, it can actually help with some of the hurdles that will come. And that is, you mentioned one of the biggest hurdles uh, that we've experienced, and that is when people can't just come as a congregation member anymore on Sundays. They're, they're always have to be on and they're often inundated with questions or information. And, and maybe they just want to have a moment to, to worship. And, and that creates a lot of pressure and it's tough. And just having a stomach for ministry where people say nasty things and not taking it to heart so much that it just defeats you, even though there aren't many of them, but the ones who do are have no problem being loud about it and making sure that they tell everybody. And that could be really hard. And so you also, if you're hiring from inside your church, have to make sure that there is a spiritual maturity present. Uh, they may not need to be ordained or have seminary experience or, or previous ministry experience, but they need to have a certain level of faith where they, they have a little bit of a thicker skin. Yeah. Like I wouldn't throw a brand new Christian into ministry because uh, it could sour them. And then, and we've definitely had this happen. If it doesn't work out with someone you hired from in your church, they're probably leaving your church. Yeah. And that's the really, and that's, that's the real bummer. The calculated risk of it, right? Yeah. That's kind of scary to think about. I really do think open dialogue all along the way, though, is one of the ways that we can even protect against that. Um, yeah. If you're saying, how's it going? Let's do a, a, a month check-in. Let's do a three-month check-in. Let's do a six-month check-in. And if and just say, if there's ever a time at which you think this isn't the right fit for me, I'll be totally okay with that. I, you know, I don't want you to, this to have to be a decision point for you about our congregation. We love you. We, we want you to be here. And so if it, so that evaluation or that continued conversation, I think is so crucial. Um, it's hard though, because we got a lot going on to keep that conversation going. Um, is can be tricky and uh, it can be easy to sort of go, Oh, I'm sure everything's fine. So um, you got to do that kind of stuff, but uh, yeah, don't well, miss the people that are there. Right. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting, what's happened definitely in our next gen team, they're all people who were members of the church first and they, first of all, they are a force of nature. <laughs> it's amazing to watch them. But they've had to adopt a phrase, and this actually came, I think, from Gerard, our student ministries director, um, because that team was basically all friends before they worked for the church. So now you have friendships on the line and a lot of opportunity for hurt feelings if somebody doesn't like someone's idea or if somebody gets frustrated with somebody else. There's, it can become pretty emotional. And so there's a phrase that they keep saying over and over again, mean no offense, take no offense. Yeah. That they trust each other enough to say, I mean no offense by this and I'm not going to take offense at this. This is just us being our work 
relationship selves, not not just our friendships. And I think that's that's really good. That's really good. And I think you hit on something that when you're a a smaller team or you're uh, a team of all full-time folks, I mean, the way you work together matters, your attitudes and behaviors for each other matter. When you start adding part-time folks into the mix, your values, how you're going to work as a team, that conversation takes on new steam and you really got to kind of lay out some of those things. And we're going to be talking more about staff culture uh, next time with, with Jeannie, but it's so crucial that we lay out some, some of those kinds of thoughts and phrases. I, I like that. I sort of believe the best, you know, think the best, don't take offense. Be, you know, those are the kinds of, uh, I think, phrases that can help. And we, we've been doing some of that work as a team here at Marine View, just to sit down and say, what do we, what do we want to be known for as a team in our work together? What are some of the attitudes and behaviors that we think uh, are important? And some of them were great things like having grace for each other, you know, which is, Meaning no offense, taking no offense. That's a great way to phrase that. Trust, uh, supporting each other, asking for help when you need it. You know, some of the phrases. The one that jumped out at me the most recently was uh, the word joy. Finding joy in our work together because of what we have the privilege and opportunity to do together. And I was, I said, I kind of leaned back and I go, I, had, I hadn't thought of that one before. And that, is that bad? But really, just the joy of celebrating what God is doing in our lives and our congregation and individual lives. And um, yeah, so finding some shared language as a team to say, you know, uh, how's it going? And, and are we living up to that culture that we agreed to? And when you have part-time, full-time, a big, uh, you know, as your team grows and develops, you got to articulate that stuff, have those conversations. Who's that uh, Netflix, the woman on Netflix who does like house organizations? Marie Kondo or yes, something like that. Yeah. Does this spark joy? Does, does it spark does, joy? Does it yeah. spark joy? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's funny, man. I, I didn't know I was folding all my shirts wrong. You were. Yeah. 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 Clearly. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So again, part-timers hiring from within the congregation, that was a big shift. It also, obviously, it saves you on benefit costs because yeah. they're... Um, yeah. And you got to be careful with that because I, what... If you're hiring part-time in order to get away with paying less and not having to pay benefits, but you're expecting full-time work, I don't think we can be friends. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Um, that's not good. And I think you have, that's another reason to be very upfront with everybody. Everybody knows there's a budget. Um, but if, if, if that's the intention or if you're just saying, well, we're going to only hire, you know, a dozen part-timers, you know, to, to, to avoid paying benefits, I think, man, if that ever gets loose or if that's the impression you're going to lose every single time yeah, it might be part of the reality. Uh, but for us, um, the folks that are part-time tend to be folks who are maybe looking to get back into work after taking time off with kids. They're folks who maybe their spouse has, you know, a, a job that's full-time and the primary breadwinner, but they're looking to, to kind of contribute in some way, have a, a purpose with some work. And those are the folks that we've sort of, um, said, okay, you're not the primary breadwinner, the benefit thing. Maybe you've already got that covered. Um, but we, we better, we got to be careful with that, I guess is the, yeah. is the right way to put no, it. No, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. I think that's an important, important yeah. to say. Another thing, another adaptation for us is, um, we've just been really honest with our team about, uh, how we share work. And, uh, so for some of our full-timers, they really, it's really hybrid positions now. It's, you know, uh, again, you have to be careful about boundaries and how much we're asking, but we don't have full-time positions for some of the things we do, even though we have full-time employees related to those. So what are the additional responsibilities that we can 
ask of them in order to make it a full-time position. And uh, Larry, our worship music. I was just creator, thinking about Larry. Yeah. And he's so amazing. Larry's one of the, the great ones, uh, but he's really passionate, loves music. He's a great worship leader and does a fantastic job creating a great experience for our volunteers and congregation and being creative and doing all the things you want from that position. But um, we really don't have a full-time position for that. Not truly, if we're really honest. And so he's taken a big chunk of his work as he go, does maintenance around the around the church building. He fixes stuff. He changes lights. He cleans things. He, it's just awesome. So he has, and he has a headphones that he wears around listening to the music that he's going to be singing on Sunday while he's fixing stuff up. And I love it, but I love that his heart is to be, he wants the value to the congregation to, to be reflected in, in his work, both with music, but also the other things he does. And so I think sometimes hybrid positions for the right people with the right gifts can be another solution might not work yeah. for everybody, but it, it can be a way to create a full-time position and some benefits and still get uh, the value out of that for the congregation and with the amount of work that's being done. So yeah, that's another tactic we've used. That's good. One of the other areas that we've definitely had a shift in uh, for the better is trying to get our heads around how are the operation, how are the operational expenses of the church how are the operations of the church supporting what we're trying to do ministry-wise? Now, I also don't want people to hear, I know operations is, mini- like it's all ministry, but you know what I'm saying? There's kind of program area ministry, and then there's the operational side. And one of the things that's been tough has been, it used to be in this church, for example, but I've seen this in many churches where a volunteer team would oversee the operations of the church. And what's happened is over time, the volunteer positions that we used to have are gone because younger generations didn't have the time or inclination to take those over. So we've professionalized those areas and created staff positions around them. The challenge is then once that happens, then you kind of don't have uh, a a group of people or like a, a centralized location where all the operations of the church are talking to each other. And so we just hired our first executive director to get in there and to be that person to do that. And my gosh, the change already has been amazing. I mean, now you have the operations side talking to each other and it's, it's creating more efficiency. Uh, it's creating better communication. And what it's doing is it's getting that log jam of communication out of the way and it's flowing right into ministry. It's really, it's creating more efficiency for the, for the program area. So I would say that's a really big thing. So what do I mean by operations? It's, you know, property, finance, stewardship, all these areas talking to each other and working together and then creating good systems to communicate and be a bridge to the, to the staff, the rest of the staff. Yeah, I think it's really crucial if you don't have that inner uh, organizational communication stuff figured out and people aren't communicating, it, it, it can really cause some pretty serious issues as far as, you know, just being able to move things forward in different areas and at a pace that actually is helpful. I mean, sometimes, you know, where we've been, it can just kind of bog down if we don't have that communication going. And um, so strategically, you know, as we're thinking about how do you, how do you get people on the same page, moving in the same direction, having that, that, that bottleneck unplugged and having that kind of a, uh, it sounds like you guys are doing a great job with your, 
executive director position as kind of the, the point person for interdepartmental communication and making yeah. that go. Yeah, yeah, that's been real good. And then I think that leads to the next part, which is all about alignment, that you have to work at alignment. Alignment doesn't just happen. You can have the best people in the positions, the absolute right people, and you can be totally misaligned. Um, And part of it is the regular ongoing communication expectations. So you got to address that. But really, uh, one thing that, that we've seen is if we have a retreat or we have a time dedicated for both operational and program staff to be in the same room and to talk mission, vision, strategy, that goes a long way into the conversation, the regular conversations we have throughout the year because we're literally getting everybody on the same page so that the property team understands when we ask for more money for this, they understand the ministry impact that that's going to have and so they're more likely to shake their heads in our direction. Um, and vice versa. So I think, again, it's getting everybody, you need to get everybody aligned on the mission, vision, strategy. And if you can't get them all working on the strategy together, uh, so that, you know, they can have some buy-in, but yeah, you know, that, that's been huge for us. Yeah, for sure. And I would add to that too. One of the things that in a, in a time of, of change and, and a lot of you are leading change in your congregations and trying to figure out what works and how you're going to make things work, uh, is I think the reality is we're doing, we're going to have to do less in some ways as congregations programmatically, more relationally, and think really concretely about what, what are the programs? What are the key essentials that we're going to invest in and maybe have to let go of some, some of the things that were here for years and years that were great, but in, in a radically different time when people are kind of leaning back, we have to, we have to streamline and kind of think, what are the most important areas of investment? Next gen st- stuff is is crucial. And as much as we we see our our personnel budget percentage growing, I want to see our our next gen ministries budget growing, not just for the the program budget itself, you know, the the resources we use to, you know, have fun and do buy the curriculum and all that, but also our staffing budget in those areas. Uh, it's got to be a priority for all of our congregations. And so it might mean having to say no to some other things in other areas that the church has been known for or even been yeah. invested in for a long time. Those are some hard decisions. And that's tough if you've been in a church and most of you listening have been in a church like ours where it's a historic mainline denominational church yeah. and uh, it comes with programs included. The day one, you're there, you're told about all the programs that are going on. And, the, and again, the problem is a lot of these things were really driven by a robust team of volunteers that simply don't exist anymore. They either got burned out, didn't want to do it. They got older, said, I can't do it. And there wasn't someone there to hand it to. And now it's in this limbo. And a lot of people in the church still expect it to happen. But what they don't understand is now it's all kind of on the staff to drive it. And a part-time staff isn't going to have the time to do as many of those things. And so it, it creates a whole series of actions that sometimes are for the better, but yeah. And sometimes the ball needs to drop and we all go, you know what? It's okay. We got to leave that ball there. And I I think this is, you know, you mentioned this already about alignment, but this is why vision strategy, getting together and talking about those things matters so much so that when we do have to let go of something or move on for something or adapt and change and do something else that 
people can understand, even if they don't like it and it doesn't feel good, even if there's loss involved, that there is at least an intellectual uh, understanding of why this is important. And then the emotional, you know, part of it comes with time, but it's okay to let this go because um, here's where we're heading right now. Here, here's what we're excited about. And um, but leading change is hard, man. It's it's hard work, and <laughs> it never ends, dude. Never when, ends. <laughs> when does it end? <laughs> I don't know. Oh man, we never get to the finish line. I tell you. Well, but. the crazy part for you and I and Jason now we've both been in our congregations long enough. For some of the things that we're changing are things that we helped create or came up with ourselves. I'm like, what? Yeah, who did this? That's a whole nother <laughs> ball of wax. When it was somebody else's stuff, it was a lot easier. That's right. Or at least uh, it felt a little bit easier to ch- to want to change it. But now it's when it was my idea that somebody's saying, hey, maybe we need to change this. And I go, wait, 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 what? <laughs> That's right. So. Oh, man. All right, good stuff. And yeah, next man. week, I'm so excited. Uh, we're going to have Jeannie Stevens on and she's going to talk um, more about Developing Healthy Staff Culture. And so she is, for those who don't remember Jeannie, she's a, a pastor at Soul City Church in Chicago. And she has been on staff both at Willow Creek and North Point. So tell me somebody who doesn't have a better idea of <laughs> right, what it's like to be on really productive, high-performing church staff. So she's got a lot of great insight, insight really excited. Uh, to talk and she's really honest about some of the challenges and really some of the things that they wanted to implement right away in their in their staff team where she's working now and um, so it's really fun to get to to hear that and then think about what how that we can adapt that and take that into our context to to have healthy staff culture so good stuff all right everyone thanks so much for listening i hope that uh that your ministry is going well. I pray that God continues to bless the good work that you're doing. And until next time, I hope this helps you to lead change without losing your roots. Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey. 